Hey guys, welcome to the Filming with Josh podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Milligan, and this is episode number 40, Jared and Mason Eversoll. Cue the music. <laughs> this is the Filming with Josh podcast, brought to you by Rustic River Media. Welcome to the videographer's home for tips, tricks, and how to make flicks. All right, guys. Thanks for listening in today. Today is episode number 40. And on the one hand, it's kind of exciting. It's like, wow, we're 40 episodes in. But then on the other hand, it's taking me like two and a half plus years to get to 40 episodes. So I'm not quite sure how I feel about it. Um, But either way, I've been able to squeeze 40 podcasts in. And for those of you guys who have um, listened at least up to this point, well, I don't know why you have, but I do appreciate it. Um, today I have my good friend Jared Eversoll on the podcast with me. Jared is with Deep Fork Production, and I cannot remember, and I probably should have looked this up before we started this, but Jared, you were on another podcast with me a couple years back, pre, pre-pandemic, and we chatted about all sorts of stuff, and I have no idea the number of that podcast, but I do want to welcome you back. Thank you. Uh, man, it was like number four, uh, three or four. I mean, I know it was early on, you know, I, I didn't get to be Danny Dodge or Corey Faulkner and be the first one on, but, uh, I'll, I'll take my place in line. And we talked about how to, uh, get hired as a freelancer. That's right. That's what it was. We talked forever about that and, uh, gave some good tips. I think we can in the very near future do a a sequel to that. And cause I've got a lot of a lot of good tips and tricks that um, I've learned over the years by hiring guys. Yeah, maybe our next one should be how to not get fired as a freelancer. <laughs> That's pretty hard these days. The, the work <laughs> is plentiful, so uh, the, the expectations are lower than they should be. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that we have another guest today, but before we get to him, um, I want to just ask you a little bit about you know, how, how things are going in business, what kind of things you're working on. Let's chat about it, man. Tell me what's going on in, in the 2021 lineup. Now we're like over halfway through the year <laughs> for you. And, and, and what do you got going on? Not, not just for the rest of this year, but, um, in the future beyond that. Um, you know, I hope like everybody else and I'm not the only one, but after talking to everybody else, work seems to be plentiful. I mean, you know, guys are coming out of the pandemic, so to speak. It doesn't seem like we're making much traction, but uh, it's a good day to be in the video business world. Um, I am getting calls left and right. Um, I've had to uh, put a couple more independent contractors on to help with editing. And I just, uh, I get to fortunately pick and choose some of the work that we're doing. We, uh, you know, cut our teeth on the outdoor industry and still sticking with it, tried and true. Um, and I love hunting and fishing, grew up doing it, uh, you know, back as far as I can remember. And to be able to produce hunting and fishing TV shows is kind of like my lifelong dream. Uh, may not be everybody's cup of tea, but um, it's, it's, it's what I make a living at. And I haven't stopped since for about the past 10 years. 
Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. So I everybody who listens to this podcast knows that I used to do outdoor stuff, but uh, don't so much anymore. And it really, for me, it was just a matter of like the way the work kind of lined up for me and um, just wanting to change directions. But I'll be honest, I, I, I miss a lot of it, man. I miss the traveling. I miss um, getting to work with people and man, a sport, I, two sports I love, hunting and fishing. And Dude, you're, I mean, you're doing it day in and day out, and you've, you've really figured out a really good way to be able to be extremely successful in this industry. If you don't mind, like, let's chat about that for a minute. So you, you own Deep Fork Productions. They're in Oklahoma. Um, but you produce, what, five shows at least now? Is it more than that? Um, it's, you know, if we count the one I personally do with uh, my family and um our expo and stuff that we do my partner's family it is six um i like i said the work is coming out uh bigger and better every time i turn around and one of the clients that we produce uh two tv shows for um, we actually get to produce two more so we're going to be producing four total for for one client and that's crazy uh, it's army army bass anglers and army buck hunters and and they're growing and um you know we got about three or four years ago we got into fishing uh side of things and i never you know i was always scared of the whole production value of fishing because hunting to me is just kind of like you know hey the guy is is hunting a deer and and the story gets told throughout the episode (laughs) and at the end of the episode hopefully he kills the deer he or she kills the deer and it's pretty cut and dry well fishing is just you know uh should be non-stop action should be catching and uh doing that for the entire episode and i was kind of intimidated by it but now i get into that and it's a little bit easier so over half of our uh tv series that we're producing every year is is fishing and you know we're doing a show on discovery channel uh it's the same thing as major league fishing just insert a redfish instead of a bass and and uh we're doing elite fishing league and then uh we're doing a show uh that i love to give back uh for the blind is uh, we take blind people hunting and uh, i kind of laughed at when i was approached by that tv show or the concept of it and we've been running a couple years on the sportsman's channel with it um and so i think we're at six and by next this time next year we'll have the other two up and going and and be at uh, eight of them. Jeez, man, eight. That's a lot. And I, so I helped you with your redfish show twice. You always like to uh, to call and ask <laughs> me to come back, but I won't ever do it again because my gear always breaks every time. Dude, I, and you know what's funny is my gear never breaks. Like I'm so good with my gear, but if there is an insurance claim, it's because I shot with you for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I, I, love, I love about... Every few podcasts, you're able to mention that. And <laughs> you never tell who it's for. And uh, I, I kind of I have to thank you and, uh, you know, for not telling people because I may <laughs> not be able to get anybody hired. They think their equipment's going to get broke every time. But uh, it is, you know, redfish is a different story. I mean, we could go down that rabbit hole and, and it's just, uh, you know, with the boat set up and the places they go and the miles per hour they run and, and they're just not scared. And uh, it can take a toll on equipment. So 
Yeah, but you know, the one thing about it though, man, is it is a blast to shoot. Like, like it could take its toll on equipment because I mean, you're in salt water, you're bouncing up and down in swells in a boat and you know, they're, everything's timed. I mean, they got to get out there, get to their spots that they've hopefully had a chance to pre-fish. I'm assuming they, they get to pre-fish, right? Well, in this new show we're producing, and like I said, same thing as Major League Fishing, and they they get told the morning of okay. where their boundaries are going to be, so there's no pre-fishing. But the but, one that you filmed was the Elite Redfish series, yep. and that that one is a uh, you know they can be there two weeks ahead of time and practice uh, exactly so they know right where they're going. Yeah, so they're like, man, they were hauling butt trying to get to their spots that they kind of knew where where they wanted to go and so they're in a hurry to get there they got to get their fish they got to get back before the weigh-in i mean you add all that together plus the rainstorms that showed up and like something's bound (laughs) something's bound to get a little (laughs) beat up but the thing about it is though is like if you're willing to stick it out like dude it's so much fun i i had really 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 good time doing that i have some great memories it was a blast and um i actually learned you know, I like to, to fly fish on the coast myself, and I actually picked up some things from those guys because they're world-class fishermen. So what you're saying is you're going to do it again. Never. I can, when I call you for the 13th time, you'll say yes. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, yeah, I'm not even going to comment. <laughs> <laughs> Get that new FX6 out there in yeah, salt let's, water. Yeah, you, you have better odds of me getting struck by lightning than that happening. <laughs> but... I will say it was a blast. Now, if you called me out and you said, hey, come like direct this thing and tell people where to go and what to do, I'll sign up for that tomorrow. You just say the word. <laughs> <laughs> will do. But, um, but man, yeah, so you've got all these shows going on. You must have a decent amount of people helping you or are you doing it all yourself? There's no way you're doing it all yourself. Uh, no, no, there's no way I'm doing it all myself. You know, I've uh, picked up people here and there. I've made great contacts as I've gone around the past 10 years and, uh, you know, knock on wood, I've never burned a bridge that, that I know of. And, um, you know, I always have good relationships with the guys out there and, uh, you know, I don't see anybody as competition. So uh, where I need help, I usually I usually get people and I give help when people other people need it. Um, and so I have hired quite a bit i've started myself a little spreadsheet of uh you know independent contractors like filming guys that i can choose from and uh last i count there was like 27 guys on there uh, that all had their own specialty and uh you know depending on the budget or what equipment uh, i pick and choose from those guys and so there's no way i could ever do it by myself and i, I don't want to attempt it by, to do it by myself i like i like to go hunting and fishing myself, uh, you know, and whether or not I bring the camera or not is one thing, but I, I like to do it. Uh, don't have to spend all the time, you know, punching keys behind the keyboard. Yeah. Um, you know, so if someone wanted to make it onto your little black book there, your little spreadsheet, <laughs> how can they go about doing that? And kind of what, what things are you looking for from people? Uh, they can just uh, send us a Facebook message on Deep Fork Productions Facebook group, or uh, they can email me. It's Jared Eversole, J-E-R-R-E-D, Eversole, at deepforkproductions.com. Um, and, you know, I, all I ask is just, hey, what's your equipment you're running? Uh, what's your experience? A little bio about yourself and, and where you're at, because 
Um, you know, I obviously don't use all 27 of those guys all right. the time. I, uh, but, you know, if, if I can save my clients some money and get them a videographer that's uh, within driving distance and they don't have to fly, especially what we're dealing with now, uh, they can hop in a truck and be a couple hours away. I like to kind of spread people around on a map. And if there's a, you know, a mule deer hunt in Washington state, uh, for the show adaptive pursuits we produce, I said, I'd just get a guy out of Oregon or, or Washington or Idaho and somewhere close that can, that can drive over there. And so, um, you know, what, you know, daily rate, uh, what do you charge? Because, you know, there's, uh, there's some guys that charge $250 and there's some guys that charge 500. Um, there's guys that charge a whole lot more than that, but it all depends on skill, um, equipment and, you know, last but not least budget. Uh, you have to stick within a budget. Uh, different clients have different, uh, t- styles of budget. So you have to pick and choose your guys uh, from there. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I like that you brought that up because, <clears throat> sorry, after, um, COVID I can never stop coughing. It's just terrible. And I want it to go away. <laughs> um, so it's interesting you bring that up because I think, um, a lot of people don't understand that like not every outdoor production has the same budget some have bigger budgets than others and so yeah like you said you got to kind of work with the pieces and the individuals that fit within what it is that one particular budget is looking for and for you to have a spreadsheet like that of guys who fit in different places who probably have different equipment and different skills and things that's uh, really smart. It's a great way to go about it because depending on the budget of the show or maybe particular things, maybe a, a show's wanting to do you know some backcountry sheep hunting or something, and you know you need guys that can handle that. Um, and so you might pull someone, someone different from your spreadsheet than you would to send someone down you know to a local farm in Texas to sit in a, a high fence hunting blind. So it's uh, great that you have that spreadsheet. I think that's a, a great approach. Um, are you ever hiring anybody who doesn't have their own equipment or do you really only stick with guys that have their own gear? Um, for the hunting side of things, we try to have guys that have their own gear. Um, for the fishing side of things, nine times out of 10, we're providing the gear. And that is only due to a, I guess, consistency, so to speak. You know, when you've got uh you know like our elite fishing league we've got six seven maybe seven boats out on the water at any given time with six or seven videographers and we're cutting back and forth in the episode you've got to have everybody have the same camera main camera um, because you've got different color profiles you've got uh, different looks you've got different sharpness everything else is different from one camera to the next no matter how good you are uh, I haven't found the guy that uh, can make any camera look like, you know, if the guy's out there, one has Panasonic, the other has Sony, you know, one's got Canon. Uh, they all have that different color science and, and look. And so for our fishing, we usually just rent all of our gear uh, so that everybody has the same camera. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. That's actually like even in my own business, that's why I own all cameras uh, from one brand. It's not that I don't like cameras from other brands. It's just from a consistency standpoint, a, I don't want to spend all my time in post trying to match stuff and B, like you said, usually (laughs) you can't ever get a dead on match. So being able to have, 
you know, that consistency is massive, not just from how it looks, but also just, I mean, it's got to make post-production way easier for you. I know it does. You don't even have to answer that. Um, but that's interesting, man. I sure wish you would have uh, rented my gear whenever I shot for you that one time, those two times. <laughs> <laughs> I've grown since then. That was like four years ago. And so I know. I'm, you, make, I'm you yanking your chain. <laughs> yeah. no, you ended up good out of the deal. <laughs> no, I did. I had a great time, man. I kid, are you kidding me? I got, to go, I got paid to go watch people teach me how to fish. I can't complain <laughs> about that. It was a blast. So um, on that note, man, what, uh, what kind of gear are you guys have in-house today? I mean, I, I, I'm sure you still have some gear because you're you know probably shooting some stuff yourself and things what what are you running today uh yeah so we um you know made the switch early on uh you know it's probably been five or six years ago we made the switch to sony and just really have never looked back um and so you know we're running your your typical cameras your sony mirrorless a7 III uh you know i still take pictures with an a7r2 even though they've got a couple of different versions since then or all the way on the mark IV. Uh, i feel like that still serves a purpose for me um and then you know main cams we're on uh sony fs5s and we're looking to get an fx6 uh we we had fs7s uh we had one of those we sold that uh moving to more of your better ergonomics, your uh, smaller frame, uh, easy travel with uh, FS line of uh, FS5s. And hopefully if uh, money works out right and availability, I'll have in my hands uh, an FX6 uh, before too long. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I had a conversation several days ago, a guy was interested in picking up a used FS7. He was asking me some questions about it. Not one I was selling, he just reached out and asked if I thought it was a good deal. And anyway, his experience had been shooting with Panasonic GH cameras, like the GH4, GH5, those those type of cameras. And I just wanted him to know, I was like, man, just before you go off and buy the FS7, I want you to understand like how big it is. (laughs) Because it is much bigger and heavier than what you're working with, with those small micro four thirds mirrorless cameras. I mean, they're massive. Not that they're bad, but it, but it looks professional though. I mean, <laughs> you know, that's, I, I cannot get over that. I, I have, you know, I, I have people that let's just say I have people that I've, I shoot for and have shot for that, uh, like the look of that bigger camera. They think that they think that no matter the person behind the camera, if they are running this monstrous FS7 on their shoulder, that they've got to know what they're doing, and they're going to get much better video, you know, uh, looks behind that behind that camera than they than you will if uh, you know the smaller version of the FS5. Totally agree. Uh, I've actually said this a few times. I think I've even said it on this podcast. Um, but when you run a camera like an FX6, an FS7, FX9, C500 Mark II, something like that. Um, usually the guy who has that camera and, and, and a client, you know, takes a look at it on set, the client's usually, his response is going to be like, man, how much did that thing cost? I get that. <laughs> I get that all the time. But if you have like just a mirrorless camera on set, you know, a client usually is like oh you know my cousin has one of those <laughs> you know what i mean and like <laughs> well you know, I, like, I like a guy on the last podcast uh i'm going to use that term hopefully he doesn't charge me but the m wax is uh, yes oh my wife is, is she says that constantly now <laughs> and that's what 
you know, um, of course, everybody with a camera is a content producer. Everybody with editing software is a, an editor. Um, and we don't knock that. But the, the thing is, is it's it's the definitely what's been said on your podcast a whole lot of times is this person operating the camera and not necessarily the camera. Um, and it is it doesn't mean that the guy knows how to use it, even if he's carrying it. No, it just does give you some confidence, though. And, and for those of you who have not listened to last week's podcast, MWAC is a, a term a friend of mine who was on my podcast last week um, coined called Mother Moms with Cam- Moms with a Camera. And yeah. uh, <laughs> we all know we all know the mom with the camera. And uh, it's a dude. That's such a great acronym. I've been using that so much. Um, but <laughs> but I you show get- you show up with a shoot, and you show up at a shoot, and it's like you've got a uh, you know let's just say DSLR. I mean everybody knows mirrorless, but let's just say a DSLR body of a camera, and they're like, "Oh, you here to take pictures?" Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. I don't know if we'll ever get over that. Oh, but, never, uh, never. I don't know. But like yeah, so like I was on a I was doing a commercial shoot for Texas State University a few months ago. And I was in downtown San Marcos, Texas, pretty big size college town. And um, I had a, my easy rig on. And if you don't know what easy rig is, it's just backpack device that you wear. You know, it's got a pole that comes up your back and goes over your head. And and then there's a, a like a connector there that you connect your camera to. It's a, You look like a stormtrooper when you wear it. And uh, I had my easy rig on and it was holding my FX6 and I had a big cinema lens on it and had a matte box with a French flag on it and mics everywhere. And it was this huge contraption. And it, it I probably realistically could have gotten the shot I was after with my A7S III and, and a small lens and whatnot. But I, I liked the feel and the ergonomics of that setup and that's why I used it and the interesting thing is is people uh, that were going to restaurants and bars and stuff downtown in the evening because we were doing an evening shoot they were honking their horns taking pictures coming by asking what was going on because they all thought it was like a movie set and that perception I mean it sounds crazy but I mean people really it does make a difference they really do take you more serious when you've got a setup like that or or an FS7 um, yeah, it really, it, I mean, it just is the way it is, but, yeah. uh, but you, um, you're working with FS fives cause the downside of a camera like the FS seven is it's massive. And, uh, that's why I switched the FX six. And so it looks like you're planning to get an FX six at some point. I, I hope so. You know, I, uh, signed up early on for that B and H, uh, alert that sends me a thing saying if it's still out of stock and, and they do a good job, man. Every two weeks I get that stock alert that, hey, just want to let you know it's still out of stock. <laughs> I'm like, thanks. You know, there's that there's that one sentence in there. You have to read through the entire paragraph to see, you know, if it's if it's in stock or not. And it it's not. But I, I know if I really was serious about getting one, I could probably you can uh, find go one. I could find one, you know, I, it was, we were shooting our last uh, week of EFL, the championship rounds. And uh, one of the guys that was there, he's saying he's, he's even seeing them uh, come across used now and not any less money than a new one, but he's seeing them come across used in your big Metroplex uh, Dallas and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're the same price as a new one. And they haven't been used very long, obviously, but he's even seen them come across used. That's interesting. I think I saw one or two used ones for sale on Facebook. 
Um, and I don't know, I don't know why the people are selling them because I absolutely love mine. But yeah, I mean, if you could find, if you could find them anywhere, use new, I mean, get it. <laughs> but when right. you're ready, when you're ready, Jared, if B&H still doesn't have it in stock, you let me know and I know where we can get you one. I got a, I got a person. i understand you got one early on and we were all we were all jealous i think you've talked me into and out of it about 20 times (laughs) oh yeah i did kind of talk you out of it because you were thinking about using it for the fishing show but the man the the media cost is pretty high media is i mean when you get into those um you know when you get into stuff like uh 4k 60 um which we shot 4k 60 on a Canon XF705s last year for the EFL, but it was a it was an encoding nightmare. We had to mm-hmm. re-encode everything from the HEVC files, H.265 files, to uh, H.264, like a proxy ProRes, and we were shooting 4K60, and and it was it was crazy re-encoding and re-wrapping, whatever you want to call it, uh, just to get the files ed- editable, um, you know, in Premiere. And so we we went with the FS5s this year. I was going to do an FX6, but I think we talked and we were figuring it out like a 4K60 uh, with the tough cards. You were you know we were going to send have to send the guys with like six memory cards. Where on FS5 they're burning through you know like 256 gigs of media in one day of shooting. Yeah, exactly. Because it I mean the codecs are really easy to edit on the FX6, but they are kind of data heavy and uh those cf express type a cards are pretty expensive (laughs) but um you could shoot to a compressed codec but then you're right back to where you were last year having to having to transcode stuff or use proxies and whatnot and that's just like you said it's a logistical nightmare at that point i think it came down to the decision maker was um to get a a codec that was media you know friendly was uh, we had to go to an 8-bit and we couldn't even get 10 bit out of there. So if we're going to go 8 bit, we might as well go, you know, FS5 um, and, and save the 10 bit for later. What lenses are you guys using for uh, your fishing stuff when you send a guy out on a boat? Uh, so we did the Sony 18 to 110. Um, awesome. And lens. amazing, amazing lens. Um, you know, and I kind of laughed. The FX6, uh, you know, used to can't, couldn't, used to could not find the, um, uh, 28 to 135 uh, lens that's full frame from Sony. Um, or, sorry, you could find that one. You couldn't find the 18 to 110. And then when the FX6 come out, uh, everybody was like, oh, now I got to go back to that lens. I think you even sold yours and then rebought another one. Um, never thought you may use it again, but now you need full frame. And so everybody's running back to the 28 to 135, and I can't find any of those. <laughs> yeah, I had the 18 and 110, and I, I used the heck out of it. But when I switched to the FX6, you know, since it's not a full-frame lens, I can only use it in crop mode, which means you can't use uh, 4K at all. So, I, I yeah, I sold it and got the 28 to 135 full-frame version, which um, I didn't know if I'd like it because I had read not great reviews about it compared to the 18 to 110 but dude i gotta be honest it's awesome i've used the heck out of that lens lately and i love it Um, i think the only uh downfall to our 18 to 110 that we found out was uh minimal focusing focal distance so yeah so do you know uh, that there's a trick to get it a little bit closer 
I wish I did. No, there is there is a gonna, trick. You're about to tell me I'm there's about, a trick. I'm about to that, tell you there's a trick. So uh, you're gonna hopefully know the guys that I hired this last time listened to it because I was about to burn at the stake for you know they couldn't get they were up there in the tower with the guy and you know they couldn't lean back far enough I think it was like two foot minimal focal distance focal distance so the yeah so it dep- I don't know which mode you had it in but if you so you know on that lens the ring like pops forward for odd focusing mode and then it pops backwards for a, a, a manual focusing mode. If you have it in manual focusing mode, um, you get true hard stops and everything. It's great, but the minimum focusing distance is not very good. But if you take that right. ring and you pop it back to auto focusing mode, you could still manual focus the lens. It's just doing it with focus by wire. And when you do that, it actually greatly um, reduces the minimum focusing distance so you can get a lot closer to your subject. Wow. It's not the same. Both both the 28 to 135 and the 18 to 110 work that way. Wow. Well, yeah. So that's a trick. So next time you get that lens and that camera, man, uh, pop it into, when you need a closer shot, pop it into the autofocusing mode. Still manual focus. You're just using fly-by-wire, and you can get a lot closer. Wow. Didn't know that. <laughs> you learn something new every day. I wish I had, wish we'd have <laughs> known that two or three weeks ago. But yeah. it, it worked out great. It worked the the... The um, I think the the sharpness coming out of that camera. I mean, the the autofocus did okay. I mean, we weren't expecting a stellar shot. You know, we did FS5 Mark IIs, and and any FS5 is not known for its uh, great autofocus, but it's <laughs> right. not bad. It's not bad. No, I will tell you though, if you ever do for some reason shoot these shows on the FX6, the autofocus will change the game for fishing for you. It is. Mm-hmm insane <laughs> i bet um, i bet yeah man imagine like just pointing the camera at the angler and it it's eye the guy's eye is always in focus and just never loses focus i mean it's just nuts so useful i shot like uh four hours of interviews last monday um on it and the a7s3 using eye autofocus and never lost focus one time it's just crazy wow yeah well man uh Sounds like things are going good, and um, you you have any big trips coming up this year? Uh, any big hunting trips or anything for work? Um, really, the only one I have planned, and I don't have my dates yet, but uh, it should be sometime in January, is uh, lucked into a Sonora mule deer hunt. And I'm going to get to go hunt a ranch that very few people – uh, have hunted and it's through my one of my connections on a show I produce and and that's kind of the only reason I'm there but um, I get to go after probably my best muley ever hopefully Jeez, uh, I know I'm so they're gonna have to <laughs> they're you know my biggest muley uh, with a bow is um, you know in that 130s uh, low 130 132 I think is what he scored but uh, years ago in Texas but the chance to go after a 180 plus uh, it's with a rifle in sonora mexico has been a been a dream for multiple years for me and uh i um i'm looking forward to it i'm probably gonna lose many many sleeps at at night when i get closer to it but uh they're gonna have to talk me out of shooting a 180 they say oh we don't shoot anything you know unless it's you know this score or that score and i'm like 
you're going to have to talk me out of it because that's by far one of the biggest, be the best muley I've ever got. You know, it's funny you say that. So it was like 2016 or 15, something like that. I think it was 2016. I was in Sonora and I was doing a bighorn sheep hunt film project. And uh, after we got the sheep, um, the client, the guy I was with, he also had a muley tag. And uh, <laughs> so he... He told me he's like, "Hey, let's let's go after mule deer now." And so we were trying to film this mule deer hunt, and it wasn't like a big part of the story, but we were gonna work it in. And uh, man, so he really wanted to shoot a typical like 180 plus muley, um, but we were on this dirt road, driving down this dirt road on this ranch, and we saw this buck, and we stopped, and I'm in the bed. The way I did it is I sat in the bed, and I had my tripod out, and then I wrapped my tripod and camera with, like, jackets to keep the dust off, and I would sit back yeah. there, so if we saw any animals, I could they could cut the engine, stop, cut the engine, and I could film from the bed immediately. Well, they see this buck, and they stop the truck, they kill the engine, and I start rolling on this mule deer, and I know, dude, I just instantly saw how massive he was. And the, my client, he steps out of the vehicle and he's looking at it with, a, with his binos and he's like, you think I should shoot that or let it walk? And it was, <laughs> it was like a 220 inch mule deer with dual drop tines. But he was after, you know, a typical. And I'm like, dude, I swear to God, if you don't shoot this deer, give me the gun. I'll write the check myself. <laughs> and he, he's like, really? I'm like, yes, really? What's wrong with you? And so he shot it. He ended up shooting it. And he walked up to it. And he's like, yeah, I'm glad I did that. That's a monster deer. I mean, it was so big, man. Yeah. It was, oh, I want a typical. I'm not going to shoot this 220 <laughs> non-typical. Dual That's drops. The choices, you Perfect know, dual drops. Have. Huh? I don't have those. I don't have those problems. You know? Oh, I, me neither, dude. Uh, uh, I'm. Uh, I'm after. Hey, if he gets my, I always, uh, you know, tell my son. He's like, well, you know, should I shoot that one? I said, does it get you excited? Does it, you know, make you? Does it make your heart beat faster and breathe heavier? And if it does, then you know, which there isn't many out there that doesn't. You know, uh, let's 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 go. Let's take him. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's me too, man, which is why I've even shot it. I've been known to shoot a spike with my bow before. <laughs> been a while. Spike walks out. Heart starts beating fast. Sorry, buddy. Today's your day. <laughs> oh, man. Well, um, we have another guest. We haven't introduced him yet. Um, and why don't you, I'm going to let you kind of introduce him a little bit. Tell me a little bit about Mason. Uh, so... Mason, um, you know, he, he's my son, he's 11 years old and going into the sixth grade. And I don't think he really had a choice, but he didn't give us too much trouble when we raised him in the hunting and fishing lifestyle. And he really didn't have a choice to be on camera or not to be on camera. You know, I've been, like I said, I've been doing my business for about 10 years and he's 11 so you can do the math and he is you know been on camera his whole life and he started hunting i think when he was about six he he went with us uh since he was probably two or three uh always fascinated by the video camera uh, always wanted to pan it left and right on the tripod and uh he he uh he wanted to be behind the weapon and so at, at six years old we got him a uh, crossbow and he killed his first ever doe at six years old with a crossbow 
uh, followed that up multiple years in a row. Every year, he seems to be the lucky one out of the family between me and my wife, and he gets on a, a good buck. Uh, he still takes his does. He's he's killed turkey, and we've gone fishing and everything else. And um, you know, as he got older, um, you know, I guess, I guess I'm old enough. I'm 39 years old. I'm old enough to say these kids these days, um, (laughs) (laughs) these kids these days are real tech savvy. And, and, uh, you know, I remember when he was like five years old, he was changing my mom's uh, settings on her iPhone and she'd call us all mad and say, Hey, I can't change them back. I don't know how to change them. And he'd change them back for just a aggravator. But, um, it was, it was pretty funny because he took on the past couple of years onto the editing side. And so I gave him one of my old <clears throat> MacBook computers and, uh, he got on my MacBook pro and got on the final cut and, and started messing around with that. Of course he had unlimited amount of footage about, you know, six years worth of footage to go through and all lots of successful and some unsuccessful hunts that he got to edit. And so, um, you know, he's, he's sitting here with me now. And I guess the icing on the cake for this is, um, you know, we're in the truck together and we go places. And like I, I told you, I'm not really of a, a radio listener, uh, you know, all the time. I, I like to listen to podcasts. I love to listen, you know, podcasts that I learn something from and, and, uh, catch up on your podcast. And so, I've listened to your podcast for, you know, past couple of two or three years. I don't know however long it's been. And, and he always just knew this guy by the name of Josh and it was filming with Josh. And, uh, I told you the other day that he's, uh, I know, I know who your youngest fan is, uh, <laughs> and maybe biggest, but, and maybe uh, my only. <laughs> and so he, uh, that's a long introduction to tell you that uh, he's joining me today uh, on here. And, uh, you know, we started a YouTube channel for him and, and he he did not realize, I don't know why not, we, we talk, you know, quite often. He did not realize until the other day that uh, you are the Filming with Josh uh, from the Filming with Josh podcast. You're him. And, and so he, a little bit of, you know, schoolgirl giggly mode and uh has figured it out and then i think he fainted yesterday whenever we said hey let's do it let's do a quick podcast and have him on <laughs> well guys i want to welcome to the show mason eversole mason are you with us yeah i'm here mason so um you're going into sixth grade are you nervous about that eh, it's a little different from elementary but it's it's still fun about school and everything and just getting to see my friends and stuff. So are you going to be like in a junior high building or something now? Uh, we're, I'm actually in the old high school building because they built a new high school building for the high schoolers and stuff. And then we moved into the uh, old high school. Oh, that's awesome. So your friends, what do your friends think about you doing and being kind of on uh, the local hunting show? Do they think you're like a celebrity? Yeah, they're they're always uh, excited and stuff, and they're always asking me like what I do on there, and they're always just kind of asking me, and they're always around me, and they're just always. 
Well, that's awesome. So you, you like to hunt and fish. Yes. What is your favorite thing to hunt? Uh, mainly big bucks, but I do. <laughs> he said big bucks. <laughs> he didn't say just any buck, big bucks. <laughs> He's my son. <laughs> and what else? You were, I think you're about to say something else too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even if it's the opportunity just to kill a doe, I mean, it's always exciting just to get out there and, uh, get that adrenaline adrenaline in you and stuff and it's always exciting and and uh do you bass fish is that mainly what you fish for or do you fish for anything else uh yes i do bass fish but i do perch fish sometimes uh those are always fun to catch i sometimes use like corn and the tiniest hook i could find and it's no matter what i catch it's always fun to catch has your dad ever shown you how to fly fish at all uh no, I have no clue how to fly fish. Oh, we're gonna have to change <laughs> Neither does your that. Dad. <laughs> oh, we're Neither gonna have to change that. <laughs> it's an art form. You it's can just not... picture nice crisp morning in a nice creek and it's just like, you know, slow motion back and forth and it's it's finessing. It's, it's not like what we do. It's actually not that bad though. When I first picked it up, I was like, this is going to be awful. I'm going to be so bad. And it's really not. And honestly, so you say you like to perch fish. Well, they would feel like a whale every time you catch one on a fly rod. That's what's so fun about it. We're going to have to change that, Jared. We're going to have to get him a fly rod. I'm going to have to teach you guys how to fly fish. Yeah, I think so. That would be fun. I, I caught my first redfish on the fly a couple months back. That was the most fun thing I've ever done in my life. Oh, I bet. I That would feel like a whale on a fly rod. Dude, it took me like 15 or 20 minutes to bring it in. It was <laughs> awesome, though. I loved it so much that I went off and got a whole bunch of saltwater fly rod, uh, flies so I can go back and do it again. <laughs> but uh, so, uh, Mason, you, you like to, um, to do YouTube videos, and I actually watched... So you started a channel... And it's called Mason's Outdoor Life. And guys, if you haven't um, seen this yet, go to YouTube and type in Mason's Outdoor Life and look for the logo. Um, it's a boy with glasses and an orange hat. And he's got a shed in one hand and a bass in the other, which, Jared, by the way, you are doing it right because I hope that's my son at some point. Um, <laughs> but look for that video and watch it if you guys get a chance. Um, but Mason, so... So you started this channel. Tell me about what kind of videos you want to put on there. Uh, yeah, I started my YouTube channel about a year ago, and it's just been. I plan on doing a, a lot of hunting videos of what I've got to do of over the past years, and there may be a couple times where I go out and fish and uh, bass fish, perch fish, whatever it is. And it's gonna be exciting for me. So what do you what do you like about video? Well, it just always brings uh, excitement to me of getting like to watch clips and put them together and play with music and it, it's always fun to watch the final product of what it turns out to be like and stuff. And uh, have you started filming any yet? Does your dad let you do any filming yet? Uh yeah, I have do I have done a lot of filming 
mainly with a GoPro in the blind and stuff. And I have uh, done a big camera one time, but it was mainly just uh, panning it around and stuff. But I'm, and I do have a picture camera that I do take a lot of pictures and I practice with that and stuff. Man, that's, that's awesome. So I'm gonna ask you a really serious question. It's very serious, okay? It's a simple okay. one word answer. <laughs> Sony or Canon? Sony. Yes! Jared, you've done a good job. <laughs> <laughs> he really don't have a choice in that one. He, he he don't have the money to buy his own, so he's he's picking from the the uh, stuff here at the office. So he, Mace, uh, go ahead. He ran a camera uh, one time, and and it's like um, he ran it for his mom. Uh, we split up one evening, and and uh, Kristen didn't want to film herself, and uh, and she wanted to be the hunter, and so. Uh, Mason volunteered to, to video everything and, and did a good job videoing, but he learned that uh, he cannot video quietly. And so I describe it as like uh, you ever tried to do a building project with your, your spouse and, um, you know, it looks easy in the video, but then when you go to do it, um, you know, you don't usually leave the best of friends after the project's over <laughs> with. So there was some, you know, there was some complaining and, <laughs> Uh, it, him and his mom came back that night and, and said, we've got to, the video's good, but we've got to work on staying quiet while we're videoing. <laughs> uh, well, to be fair, I probably still make noise when I film. <laughs> <laughs> so Mason, what do you, um, what do you want to do after, after you're out of junior high and high school? Do you want to, you want to be like your dad and, and film in the hunting and fishing industry? Uh, yeah, I've always, uh, been looking up to him and stuff and i just i plan on doing uh keep on editing and stuff but i i don't know if i'm gonna go to college yet or what but i really hope to follow my dad's footsteps man that's awesome and are you when you say editing are you editing uh in premiere uh i mainly use uh final cut but i have not uh had adobe adobe premiere yet man you know how to edit in a program I've never even edited and I've never touched Final Cut, so you're already a step ahead of me. I'm yeah. impressed. And I do have a uh, app on my phone that I mess around a lot with, and it mainly just take uh, videos off of my phone and edit with those and stuff. That's that's awesome. Do you think uh, you think when you get a little older and you go and hunting like alone by yourself and your friends and stuff. You think you plan to film y'all's hunts, your your friends' hunts together? Yeah, I I can do that. I, th I think uh, that's kind of how I how I really got into video was filming my friends and stuff. It was a it was an absolute blast, and you're getting to do that with your mom and dad, and it's just man, it's really cool. And uh, and I'm stoked for you. You got an awesome dad who's doing a great job of teaching you about video. And, man, that's something that you can take with you for the rest of your life. Yeah, that's what I I plan on doing that. And I've always, uh, whether it's watching a video that my dad edited or just watching him edit, I've always watched him and learned from him. What is the biggest challenge you face so far in learning, learning how to edit? Uh, probably how like to if I mess up or something like 
if I mess up, like I put a clip somewhere or like just just even using the editing app itself. Okay. And um, music, do you do you find your own music? Um, and if so, like what kind of music do you like? Uh, yeah, I do uh, kind of like music where like a steady beat where like I can change the clips where it, like each beat. But I do uh, add some different music here and there. But I mainly do like to use the steady beat one. Yeah, yeah, so do I. It uh, makes the shots cut together really well, doesn't it? Yeah, makes and it a you, lot better. Have you started coloring? Do you mess with the color or anything? Uh, not really on video, but I have messed with the color on pictures and stuff. Okay, and uh, on your picture camera, uh, what kind of picture camera do you have, or do you know? Uh, I really don't know what it is, but it's just a little uh thing where you if you turn it on the lens will pop out it okay. doesn't really have very good quality of pictures but it still has good enough quality that you could make out what it is and stuff sure yeah when i went to college that's actually what i started out with was a, a camera like that yeah yeah that's awesome well i uh i'm really stoked to have you on the show today and to talk a little bit about filming and uh, editing and stuff. And let me ask you, uh, do you prefer hunting or fishing videos? Uh, mainly hunting because I mainly just get to watch it back and feel the excitement again. And just, it's being able to watch it and it gives me more excitement. Yeah, I totally agree. I like them better my, myself. That's that's where my passion passion for uh, video came from was was filming hunts. Well, that's awesome, and I really appreciate you coming on today. And uh, is there anything, anything else you'd like to talk about before uh, before we wrap up today's show? I think that's it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, the pleasure's been all mine. I really appreciate you coming on today, um, and for for taking the time to talk with me and your dad and and Jared. I really appreciate you hopping on today too, buddy. Oh, no problem, man. I mean, let's not make it as long next time <laughs> <laughs> yeah we it's been a couple years we'll have to get on here and chat we'll have another podcast um here pretty soon maybe in a few weeks on how to not get fired with jared eversole <laughs> no no it's very very hard he's a he comes off as a mean you know marine corps veteran but uh i get soft and teddy bears sometimes and and just <laughs> let let things slide but uh i just learned to treat people you know like they should be treated and and uh you know never take anybody for granted this industry we are a very small small group of people we are and that actually brings up a, a really good question this will be my final question for you for today's podcast but um is Mason, has he made it onto your Excel spreadsheet of videographers? <laughs> yes, because he's extremely cheap. <laughs> he works for, uh, we made the joke years ago, we took a picture of him when he was young filming, and I <laughs> dropped my earbud. earbud. <laughs> You're good. Uh, we made the joke years ago that uh, he... Uh, works for uh, crackers and Gatorade um, because that's that's what he was uh, getting paid to film in the blind uh, one time when he was young and uh, definitely posted that on Facebook and we had all kinds of people hitting us up saying 
I'd hire him for that. And so he's <laughs> he's a, he works for extremely cheap money. He works for a house and a meal every night. <laughs> Man, that's uh, that's my kind of freelancer. That's exactly what I need right now. I'm gonna have to bring him down <laughs> here to Texas and have him come work for me at some point. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, uh, Jared, just in case people haven't listened to the first episode you were on, where can people find your work? Uh, good old website, deepfortproductions.com. Um, we're also on Facebook. Uh, we have an Instagram. We don't update it like we should, but um, there's a lot of content on there. And then, um, you know, just uh, probably Vimeo or or YouTube and uh you know, there's a, the show that we keep talking about is called Outdoor Nation. And uh, there's episodes on there that I run a expo. We actually just got through having it this past weekend. We've been running it for five years up here in Oklahoma, hunting and fishing expo. And a few years ago, we created a TV show off of it called Outdoor Nation. And uh, we're on our local uh, channel 52 here in Oklahoma City every Sunday at one all year long, all 52 weeks of the year. And we've been running about three years with that. And so uh, that's what Mason gets a lot of notoriety at school. Is he's been fortunate enough to live in a rural environment and his teachers love uh, hunting and fishing themselves. And so uh, he's he's had some quite <laughs> quite interesting show and tells, uh, so to speak. And we have to limit the the uh, graphic nature <laughs> of of some <laughs> of the some of the clips and stuff because we don't want to shock the ones that are not used to hunting and fishing. So uh, he's had some great show and tells that have not been, he's not been kicked out of school yet. I can only, I can only imagine that's gotta be really cool. And, uh, and, and Mason, where, where can people find your work? Uh, if you just go to YouTube and then search up Mason's outdoor life, and then it should pop up right on your screen. Just look for a logo with a kid with glasses and a shed and a fish. <laughs> and a shed and a fish. That's awesome. Well, guys, thank y'all so much for joining me today on the Filming with Josh podcast. Um, for those of you who have not yet joined the Filming with Josh Facebook group, be sure to hop on to Facebook, type in Filming with Josh, and ask to join the group today. The Filming with Josh Facebook group is your home for tips, tricks, and how to make flicks. Come join the group and we'll chat about all things video and uh the business that goes with it. Guys, thank y'all so much. Thank you, man. Thank you. I'll talk to y'all later. To learn more about Rustic River Media, visit us online at rusticriver.media. Thanks for listening to the Filming with Josh podcast. Catch every episode by hitting subscribe today. Mm-hmm.